0: Welcome to the gamers in come on in pull up a chair next to the fire it looks like you've had a long journey i'm your host jocelyn and joining me as always is my co-host ryan hello ryan
1: hello how's it going i'm not gonna make a joke about rats okay just okay out there
0: excellent uh yeah things are going pretty good we are recording a little bit later than normal and that's because We wanted to actually finish A Plague Tale Innocence to give you guys our final thoughts on the overall game because both Ryan and I were only at about chapter, I think I had finished chapter three, so I was Mm -hmm. just coming into the farm and you were, I think, a a chapter or so ahead of me. And now we've both finished the game, so uh, we can give you guys full, we should tell you there, it's going to be a pretty spoilery chat, but uh, we'll try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, but... There's some there's some pretty big things that we want to talk to talk about in terms of Plague Tale. Um, so, some of the discussions of the story mechanics are going to involve some some spoilers, guys. So, mm-hmm. um, just keep that in mind if you if you don't want any story spoilers, maybe uh, skip ahead because we do have quite a lot to talk about this week. We're not just talking about Plague Tale, so uh, probably spend about 15 ish minutes talking about Plague Tale. So, feel free at this point to skip ahead about 15 minutes in the podcast. And uh, yeah, we will try to warn you in 15 minutes if we're not done talking Plague Tale, but I think uh, that's all of it. I'm gonna
1: finished, drop so a huge spoiler good. right at the 15 minute mark.
0: Yeah, okay, <laughs> you're <laughs> such a jerk. But yeah, okay, so uh, Plague Tale Innocence is, uh, overall, my feel for the game, now that I've finished it, are very, very strong game, compelling gameplay and interesting story. To, I think, the end of probably chapter 13. Mm -hmm. I did not love 14, 15, 16. And even then, I think... um, Oh, no, 13 is is very, very short. 14, 15, 16 were not the greatest. And then 17 is basically an epilogue. So, I mean... Take it or leave
1: it. Yeah. 17. There, there are a lot of
0: gameplay there. It's just, it's
1: just epilogue. You're it's a walking talk, right? And and I think it it sets up the, the future question mark, but I think that, uh, there's, there's 17 chapters in total in the game. And there are a lot of chapters actually leading up through the game that are very uh, either walk and talk or just very short chapters where you're just Mm. kind of exploring, having a conversation and moving forward a lot of the times they would take time to put that into a cutscene but in this instance I didn't actually mind those chapters um, yeah I didn't mind them either they, they were, were fine I could take it or leave it they but... did
0: stick out like a sore thumb to the point that like no. as of right now I can't tell you other than chapter 13 because it led into the most hated chapter of probably any video game I've ever played it was so bad mm-hmm. but it's um chapter Thirteen was definitely a, a walk and talk type, hand holding, no nothing chapter.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because uh, do we want it? Do we want to just start with the the elephant in the room, which is the chapter I I tweeted about, and I don't normally do that unless I'm having a frustrating time. But man, do we want to start with that? I didn't even realize
0: that? you'd. Yeah, let's just start there because I feel like that's the first point in the game where it really starts to stumble. It was Mm -hmm. very good up until then. And it was uh, engaging, you met some really interesting characters, there were some challenging moments and puzzles, but you were getting stronger as a character, you start to learn alchemy from one of the characters that you meet, uh, actually at the farm. So I, I hadn't quite met him yet. But as soon as you get to the farm, you meet the alchemist, and then you start to learn how to craft various things that make the puzzles again the puzzles get harder but you get more powerful as a character in a way that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. so you're basically taught how to make potions that will you know explode in fire or put fire out or um i'm trying to think of what a couple of the other ones are oh you can attract the rats that's another potion that you can do yeah so they really start to expand on your character in a meaningful and in a meaningful way and a powerful way that makes a lot of sense for the story. So I, I quite enjoyed playing along as Amicia, as she got stronger as the character, which is kind of what makes chapter 14 so frustrating. And it's like the game just slams the brakes on hard. Mm-hmm. And chapter 14, I may be wrong about this, but chapter 14 felt like the longest chapter in the game.
1: It, it certainly, it felt like it was a two-parter, right? So essentially in chapter 14, there's this big swap where Amicia, I don't know, says something to Hugo and Hugo runs off and he disappears. And that's in chapter 13. And then in chapter 14, you're Hugo and you're, you've are you been captured. I don't know, like it, well, it, it was you weird. Weren't,
0: you weren't captured. So basically what happens in chapter 13 is that... Hugo, a couple of chapters earlier, mm-hmm. had heard that uh, your mother, and here's where the the big spoiler comes in, uh, oh, that man. your mother is still alive and that she's being held prisoner um, at the at the church at the castle, like in town. And so he, in chapter thirteen, essentially gives Amicia a chance to tell him the truth. She doesn't tell him the truth she said that you know uh your mom's gone and she's never coming back and blah 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 blah. basically deal with it she doesn't tell him again that she's dead i don't think but she basically says um mom's gone she's never coming back you need to just let it go and he says no you're lying to me i know that she's still alive she's a prisoner i know where she is and hugo runs off Mm-hmm. And so then he basically runs to the church and says, hey, I'm here. I want to see my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's he's captured, air quotes, but he basically turns himself in because he wants to see his mother.
1: Yeah, and he's five. So we'll keep that in yeah. mind in the sense that when, when a five-year-old is traumatized, realizing his mother's dead and then finds out she's alive what the first thing he's gonna do is is be like now i'm going to see i'm going to see mommy and especially um, since
0: um he's been in isolation previous to this game right so the mother is the only person who's been who he's been allowed to see from what i could understand he has been totally isolated even from like the staff it was basically just him and the mom the whole time she was also an alchemist. She's trying to cure this um I guess but these. The, the symptoms, macula this, or something. The, the macula, yeah. So his disease. He has this like diseased blood that allows him or that um allows him to control the rats, or was responsible for bringing the plague. I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I have no idea. It was, a, it was a really confusing, and this is what, because it's a French developer, and this is what makes me think that maybe in the non-English translated version, the story might have been explained a little bit better. Because, you know, sometimes things just do get lost in translation, yeah. and sometimes there are cultural differences that make it like, if I was actually French, and listening to the french version then maybe this story would be a little clearer but some things i think were definitely lost in translation
1: yeah the way i understood it was that the the plague comes every so many years and then there's this bloodline which is uh hugo the durain or whatever his name last name is bloodline daroon Darune, thank you it it is always present in their bloodline. So Hugo has it. Yeah, he's the carrier. That's the... Which
0: is a a term I understand, just from, like, high school bio. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So my understanding is that Hugo is the carrier, and he is the one that is able to save, or at least push back the plague for that rendition of its appearance, right? And and there was reference to it occurring, like, 600 years ago or something, and then there was another little kid who was able to, you know... uh, to, to to force it back.
0: back the plague or what yeah
1: yeah and then that's that that is all entwined with uh the main bad guy who's introduced late in the game which is this like um religious type guy i, I forget his name uh but he's he's, he's old the and head cranky of the,
0: he's the head of the inquisition yeah yeah which and is a um i mean the the inquisition in general was a church backed thing crusade type thing right and it basically in this story they're like oh no you've taken this too far there's a representative from rome that comes to talk to him and says like you're crazy and you're you know being all pagan and we don't support you anymore and blah 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 but the inquisition originally is very much a church thing
1: yeah i mean and getting back to our original point we were going to talk about chapter 14 which is it's a terrible chapter in where they swap you out and you're playing as hugo and it's strictly stealth based instant fail and the checkpoints are tight but not tight enough that is it is it isn't frustrating when you just happen to have an enemy look in your direction and it's literally instant fail like cut to black you lost start over and it's such a hard turn for so late in the game after you've been building up your skills as Amicia, and you don't get Metroided in the last quarter of the game. That is not good. That's not good, you know. And I'm surprised there's been a lot of glowing reviews for this game. And and mind you, I don't go out and read every single review, but I'm surprised that this isn't mentioned uh, in 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 the same conversation as this game being super great because it's a good game but it's kind of marred by that chapter and i i would imagine a lot of people bounce off that chapter like just they've experienced enough of the game and they're like i can't do it like i'm just gonna assume that they 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 figure it out the end (laughs) you know because it was frustrating
0: oh it was totally frustrating if i hadn't had you having already completed the game mm-hmm. and the ability like cuz i literally it was almost every other room that i was entering and i was like oh my god this is the worst ever yeah. and i was like oh i'm at the garden now and oh my god now i'm at the the you know find the key room and it just it felt like every other room that you enter into was just so punishing, and you're Hugo, so you have literally none, none of your abilities. You have no ability to, like, see or track your enemies, or, you know, like, no detection, no nothing, no way to you fight back or anything. And even then, I hadn't had to do much fighting back, uh, but it very much felt like you had to, like, face-check the room and be like, okay, so here, I'm going to just run into the next room. And then at least I'll be able to, you know, know where people are, and Mm -hmm. then I can try again. So it felt like you had to fail to then figure it out and know where people were. Um, And even then, it didn't necessarily tell you if those people were, you know, like, um, pathing people or standing still people. So, oh, man, yeah, it was it was brutal. And for me, I didn't even love so uh, you kind of uh, you play through that chapter Mm -hmm. Hugo remains captured the next chapter is you know a month later and you haven't been able to find your brother you go back to playing as Amicia and it just like man it's just it's just kind of brutal because the next chapter is essentially the inquisitions using Hugo to control the rats and they invade your like castle sanctuary place and you lose a character that you were just starting to get to know and seemed like he could be kind of a cool character but they kill him super fast in a way that's also very telegraphed Um, and then you get into this boss fight which is a combo escort stealth combat instant fail boss fight (laughs) which in the end is harder than the like final end boss the final end boss i thought was so easy it was laughable and so you've got this if if you manage to push through chapter 14 you've got this boss at the end of chapter 15 that would probably again if i didn't have you having already finished it i would never finish this game but (laughs) No offense, Ryan, but I literally went upstairs to Matt, and I was like, "Okay, I know that Ryan has got through this (laughs) boss fight, so I am gonna be able to get through this boss fight because like Ryan did it, so I know I can do it." But
1: you didn't. Holy hell! (laughs) I'm assuming you don't mean that as like a Ryan's Ryan's a noob, so he did it. More like we, you know, it's possible that someone of a similar ilk could get through it.
0: Exactly. I
1: understand that, and that's the first thing that popped into my head. When you said that, Uh, I did not at all think, (laughs) but yeah, no, No, uh,
0: I I feel like we have very similar mm -hmm. levels of skill when it comes to video games, like stuff that you can beat on normal. I can beat on normal, but if you bounce off normal, then I know that I should probably play the game on easy and that's fine, but there are no difficulty settings in Plague Tale, so I was like, I was getting so frustrated with this boss fight because if he's looking at you, you can't even use your skills because he just, like, deflects them, so you have to try to stealth in an area that doesn't have a lot of places to stealth, and he even destroys some of the things you can hide behind with a big swinging fire sword, like, oh, not to mention he, even if you manage to extinguish fires he'll relight them so it's just like oh my god i was just
1: it felt so
0: so many fails on that boss fight
1: as you're progressing up to chat so leading up to chapter 13 uh, i love the story progression i love the characters i love the upgrades i love a game where you're just collecting stuff and i just search every nook and cranny for it and you're using to upgrade your stuff love it love 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 it and this game has that in spades and it's great and but the issues that we're describing with these two ch- these two chapters that go back to back is not is not what it was present previously in the game because even yeah. if you look at the stealth early on in the game that's a tutorial it's made and telegraphed in a way where you're not going to fail because it's teaching you the mechanics and then as you continue with the stealth you just get more and more powerful and and you have more and more abilities well, and to manage that stealth right the
0: thing is that like in the early uh tutorial type chapters where it's mm-hmm. teaching you how to do these things it very much has a like it's it's like one path you can take also i think we're we're at about the 15 minute mark so we should warn people if you've skipped ahead 15 minutes we are still talking about plague so we'll <laughs> maybe skip ahead another five
1: <laughs> but <laughs> we're getting there um,
0: we're getting there. Rats. So, we should, um, but yeah, so it's, it's like one path. But then a few chapters after that, so kind of from about chapter five to chapter 12, you have these uh, slightly more open areas with a few different possible paths that you can take. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to choose between whether you want like full, full stealth with a couple of difficult checkpoints, or if you want to kind of do a mix of combat and stealth, or if you want to go full combat it lets you make those decisions. And so that was really engaging gameplay because it wasn't like one straight set path, Mm -hmm. like you had one goal, but you could choose kind of how you wanted to get there. And but it never forced you down the combat path until you get this chapter 14, which forces you down the stealth path, you get chapter 15 with this nearly impossible boss fight that forces you into chapter 16 that makes you combat, you have to do combat. And combat, it's clunky. It's not fun. It's not well done. So having you like to do a like timed moving combat run through this like city, and there's one sequence in particular, which Mm -hmm. I found super duper frustrating because you have to hide behind a cart so that you're blocked from the archers. The cart is constantly moving. And it throws soldiers at you. So you have to be like turning, stopping, aiming, killing soldiers. Because again, they have the same mechanics as as before. Where they will one-shot you if they get close to you. Mm-hmm. So, And you don't have enough materials to make the like. Oh no, I'm going to die. Here's my instant kill button. Because you need ma- materials to do that. You can't just always instant kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like just the last chapters so like 14 15 16 were brutal and felt like they belonged in a different game like they didn't they didn't mesh with what you'd been doing from 1 to 12 or 1 to 13
1: yeah well I mean I'll, I'll say this that you know chapters 1 through 13 felt like they had these set pieces that they wanted to explore in this world that was infected by this plague and you're just a couple characters trying to survive you know the the idea of crossing a battlefield from the war the hundred year war that is so well done and and Mm -hmm. just is so good and and how they introduce your ability to use your sling to just basically take out people's lanterns and then you just see the rats take these enemies out and um the only thing that i thought was a little weird is it kept it kept feeling like the game was trying to tell me that maybe killing people with the rats or killing people in general was bad But eventually I got, I got past that and was like, no, this game really doesn't care whether I sneak past people or kill them. There's no like,
0: yeah. And that was the thing that I I really liked last week was Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they took a real look at the fact that you're murdering people in front of your five-year-old brother. Yeah. But then again, that's another thing that, you know, it didn't seem, there was no punishment for murder. Like I thought that there was going to be, it's just like, they had one scene where they were like oh maybe you should kind of think about the fact that you're murdering a whole bunch of people but then oh we're gonna make you murder a whole bunch of people whether you like it or not there's no like way to get around this part uh, yeah so I, I don't know i,
1: I didn't, just i like I that
0: they forced you into combat in chapter 16 at all
1: right but see i like chapter 16 in the sense that i i'd been going pretty pretty hard down the combat line Um, you know, kind Mm, of setting up. i had been
0: going really hard down the stealth line, which meant that I never really learned combat. So then the end of 15 and 16 were very, very, very difficult for me because I hadn't like sunk gills into my slingshot or, you know, because I had just been trying to like, I made my clothes so that I made less noise, like could sneak right behind people, things like that. So Mm. for me, 15, 16 were super frustrating. And like come on the heels of super duper (laughs) stealth mode chapter. So I don't know. I think overall I think Plague Tale Innocence was probably like a seven to eight out of ten for me. Like still really good. Not not the greatest, but not like terrible terrible because I think that um you could probably like play through the first thirteen chapters and then just watch a video of the end. To get the story, because the story's good. Mm-hmm. The story's worthwhile. Um, it's just there's some frustrating mecha- mechanics that are standing between you and the story. Um, and uh, But I also think I would wait for a sale. Because I don't think that this game is worth $60.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of... It's, I, I mean,
0: it's, it's like... I think I played 14 hours. Um, and that again, most of the last hours were like, fail, like just constant failing. And so it's not like it's 14 hours worth of story. It's probably closer to I'd say maybe like nine to 10 hours of story. Mm-hmm. It's just that I had to keep replaying parts over and over and over and over because I kept failing. So, to me, that doesn't count as like real gameplay time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, and I, I thought the length you know, not looking at how long it took me to finish it, but the, the feeling of how long the game was was perfect for me, in the sense that I didn't want it to overstay its welcome. I didn't need it to go longer. It might have even it could have probably done with you know one less chapter <laughs> we've been talking about this in this entire segment but i feel yeah, like yeah that, that
0: whole chapter just felt like they needed a way to tell their story and they couldn't figure it out so they were like okay well let's just have him get captured and you know like we'll we'll have a sequence of him sneaking through the castle because that whole castle sequence is basically like the bad guy standing around going let me explain the bad guy story to you yeah. here is me monologuing my plan no one will overhear this well, <laughs> the,
1: the, it's not even the bad guy monologuing it's him and all of his subordinates it's like yeah, if it's i'm going to be soldiers. a if i'm going to be a bad guy or like in a movie or a tv show or any or if i were to write something uh i would i would first and foremost have the bad guy say like look you talk you're done that's the first thing like you can't talk the first rule no bad guys. yeah yeah <laughs> just don't grandstand just write it yeah. down read it in your head crumple it up and shove it in your pocket just don't talk about it out loud i don't understand why there is entire group and maybe it's like it's the religious part of them they just gotta like got to get it out of their system and just talk about it but like it was there was really cool stuff in there and again yeah a seven or an eight is is a very is is right in line with what i'd say and and you know we we both got codes for the game but 60 dollars is quite steep and that's canadian um but i think even if you're looking at a sale it doesn't need to be a steep sale i'd say like even just you know 10 or 15 bucks off would really is it is I probably, think I'd probably
0: it. um i think i'd probably pay something in and around like the 40 range is mm-hmm. is what i think is kind of fair for this because the the art assets and the voice acting is awesome and like i said the story is great this suffers from a lot of the same problems that i had with vampire where it's like yes. you're telling a really interesting story and your set pieces are beautiful and i love the all the choices that you've made artistically but Holy hell, your game mechanics in the last third of the game are just straight hot garbage, which makes me want to not play the end of your game, which in a story based game, when you've done such a good job and you're again, your settings are beautiful. I want to get to the end, but you're putting up this brick wall that's making me stop. And it's just man, not the greatest, not the greatest choice. I yeah. think you, you got to so, stop
1: making bad third acts because I cannot yep. not finish a game. Okay. Yeah. That's my thing. <laughs> for I've,
0: Ryan's sanity. Yeah. Please stop doing this. <laughs> it's, I
1: can name many games. Vampire is, is a good one, but I, I feel like I didn't like vampire uh, more than this. Like I it's still, I still that. like, I, I still like where this game goes. It's just for me, it's got one bad chapter and I just happen to be able to get through that boss fight. But, mm. um, uh, yeah it's well i mean
0: i got through all of it it's just
1: i got through it, it on th- un, i guess relatively unscathed i would say i think you may, well, may have had okay a so yeah
0: go. it took me it took me nine to ten hours to get through to chapter 14 and mm-hmm. then it took me 14 hours total so then it took me another four to five hours to get through 14 15 16 yeah and 16 was well, I guess 15 is basically just the boss fight. There's not a whole bunch to 15 outside of the boss fight. So it was uh, the stealth mission with Hugo.
1: There's a bit of moving rats the around, fight. I think, in that one, yeah. like some puzzly mm-hmm. stuff. But it's not. It's pretty telegraphed in the sense that you you know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, but
0: anyways, yeah, so that's kind of where I landed on Plague Tale. Absolutely beautiful, amazing voice acting. I, again, really, really liked um, having the French vocals with the English subtitles. I thought that worked really well for the game as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I think I'd wait for a sale. I wouldn't pick this up for full price.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: yeah. Uh, So one other thing that we wanted to talk about before we get into the news, I went to see Detective Pikachu this afternoon and it's delightful and I'm not going to spoil it, uh, but I can't believe, especially so uh, one other little piece of news is that the Sonic the Hedgehog movie has been delayed to 2020 in order to fix Sonic, which is good. (laughs) I'm glad that they are taking the time to actually fix him. I just hope they do a good job fixing him and I like part of me kind of wishes that they would just release like a new Sonic design and or like even if it's like two or three I don't know how they want to do it but just like release what they're working on to be like okay is this better because clearly (laughs) we don't know what we're doing but like will you watch this (laughs) and then have like you know characters ABC and have the internet vote or something because like they've proven that they don't know what they're doing yeah. i would hate for them to delay the movie redo everything and have it be like worse than the first time somehow
1: well the thing is it, um, if you check out the article and you look at the director's uh, tweet about it he, there is there is a bit of art there that looks like could be new concept art because sonic didn't have the sort of the glove and that's clearly sonic with a with the glove which is his mm. original art um the the original sort of 3d design of sonic and and here's my thinking like they're not going to give us they're not going to give us choices but in the way you know uh cg stuff is developed they do a lot of concept art and stuff so i could see them finalizing the concept art and then being like not is this okay but more this is the new look for sonic for the movie yeah and we really feel we nailed it I don't think they're gonna involve the internet in like a, a crowdsourcing yeah uh, idea that would be bad but i i also don't think they're gonna go to you know january 1 and be like here's the new trailer like if if they're changing the original design based on that trailer being released they like they they've already done that so like they might actually open up a can of worms by, by having done yeah. that if, if they have another bad trailer, like in another bad design.
0: Yeah, that trailer actually played at the start of Detective Pikachu. Oh, really? And I was just like, oh, my God, I forgot how bad it was. And like seeing it up on the big screen, I was just like, oh, it's so much worse than when I watched it on my phone. It's so big. It's like so bad <laughs>
1: but jim carrey as robotnik looks really good i i really yeah. think that if they had just released it as is you could watch a really good robotnik movie and just mm. kind of close your eyes every time sonic's on screen and, and probably yeah. be okay with it but
0: know. uh but in terms of uh the pokemon and this is why i bring up sonic is mm-hmm. because with only i think one exception the pokemon in this movie looked Amazing. And the only thing that threw me off in with one Pokemon is that there is a Pokemon battle that's happening between Ghastly and Blastoise and Ghastly has human teeth. And I'm like, what? Like, why is why?
1: Well, (laughs) Ghastly is a, uh, isn't, I'm pretty sure Ghastly is like a human ghost.
0: I guess, but like, he doesn't have any other, even remotely human features. And if you if you look at like his his um I, I don't think I've ever I don't remember ever seeing him animated before.
1: Is it Ghastly or Gengar? Or-
0: I maybe I've got the wrong Pokemon, but he's like He's purple and he's got like he's the ghost and he's like the the lowest level Pokemon oh. ghost that you can get. Yeah, he's ghastly. I thought he was okay. You're I was right. gonna say I thought he was. Gaslighting. I haven't yeah. seen the
1: movie, so I'm and just. He
0: just yeah. has like um. Well, they don't they don't give him like they don't call him by name or anything. It's just like it's a thing that's like happening in the background. And uh, in the art that I have seen of him, he just has like. It's one of those like your the mouth is all white with just the vertical lines drawn to mm. show you like teeth. So I mean I kind of get that that's maybe what they were going for, but it just looks so weird because he's got like human teeth in a in a ghost Pokemon mouth, and I'm just like I kind of thought like even like I don't know like triangle teeth like I'm a ghost, <laughs> <rawr."> <laughs> scary teeth. What? But anyways, that was the only thing, and and I think maybe it's because human teeth in animated. Animals was in my head because the Sonic trailer had played ahead of the of the Pikachu movie, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It just that was the only part that I found slightly off putting. But all the rest of the Pokemon were so well done. There's uh, a scene where you get to see a uh, Charizard like right up close, and he's like right next to a human actor, and it looks so good. All the scales and the just the eyes everything oh man it looks so good i was so so happy to see all of that stuff and and the the plot of the movie was fairly decent um ryan reynolds was hilarious and good. um i think justice smith mm-hmm. i think that's that's his name um he he was okay he like you know he was he was half decent no he's not gonna win any oscars but you know he wasn't the worst he, he, uh, the, did you see
1: him in the jurassic world movie the newest jurassic world
0: he was in the newest Jurassic World?
1: Yeah, he was in Jurassic World 2, and I remember that was, a like, does he play, like, that, in the trailers, he kind of comes off a bit as, like, he knows what he's doing, but sometimes he gets a little, like, you know, nervous loud, like, loud nervous. Does he do that Oh, in this yeah, one? no,
0: I didn't, no, I didn't, it didn't stand out anyways, um,
1: hmm, that's good.
0: But the, uh, yeah, the, the girl, the reporter girl that is his, like, love interest sort of thing, except for they don't like really date he's super super awkward and cringy and hard to watch when he's trying to interact with her but uh she's the worst she's, oh, the, she's worst. the absolute worst <laughs> from, right from the very start when they introduced her uh, all the way to the end i'm just like oh you're just no just stop just a
1: bad actor um, or just bad yeah writing? and
0: and poorly written like both just oh, both
1: that's unfortunate um
0: yeah but like i say the the overall plot of the of the movie was good the pikachu lines and ryan reynolds were hilarious and and the animations on the pokemon and and how they're integrated into the world was uh was really really cool um i couldn't stop seeing london though which was really weird because it's supposed to be this like made-up city but there's some really iconic london landmarks that show up quite often and they've clearly just like superimposed a whole bunch of like neon signs and like Hmm. japanese type street fronts onto the backdrop of London which is odd and kind of jarring to me but well, but I you think... know it was still it was still well done it was really really well done from a perspective of like video game movies yeah. uh, it's definitely yeah. up there as as one of the
1: best for sure mm-hmm. well I, I mean I I can't wait to go see it honestly I was planning to go see it in theaters I just haven't had a chance but uh, yeah, Caden watched the trailer for this one with me, and we were talking about this pre-show. and I, And Caden wants to see it, and I mean, he's three, so he's still quite young. Uh, and but I'm thinking I'm gonna wait till it, for rental, and then this way, like, if he really is not happy with a scene, like, we can pause it and kind of like, you know, explain. Yeah. It. Although yeah, the Pokemon there, are hitting each were... other because they're friends, I don't know.
0: <laughs> there were uh, there were a couple of little kids in front of us in the theater, and one of the little kids who I think was probably around like seven, uh, but uh, kids are hard to age for me. Mm-hmm. Not having any of my own, it's hard to tell how old kids are. But anyways, a little kid in front of us definitely got up at one point and was like, "I I, I want to go. I don't want to stay. <laughs> this is scary." So, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was good, and I I do recommend if you are fans of Pokemon, go go and see this movie. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, and one other little piece of kind of entertainment video game news is that Sony Interactive Entertainment has announced the launch of PlayStation Productions, which means Sony is basically going to be making their own video uh, video game, movies and television, which is kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a big deal in the sense that. Sony obviously is already a major motion picture and and television production company, but the fact that they're spinning off their own sort of PlayStation productions would be similar to, I guess, Disney-owning Marvel Studios, right? Right. So this is essentially... PlayStation Productions is in charge of taking PlayStation IPs and turning them into TV shows and movies, and I think this is the right way to do it. I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, great, now we have a... you know a a pcu we're gonna have a playstation cinematic universe like i don't think that's gonna we're not gonna quite get there just right off the bat but i think it's still exciting that playstation will be able to handle all their own ips um and probably yeah they
0: they retain a little bit more um control and therefore i think we'll get a little bit more consistency Mm -hmm. out of like a sony driven playstation movie making machine than you would if they just kind of farmed their ip out to the highest bidder sort of thing so i'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this and i I mean as much as I think the Sonic movie is going to be terrible, yeah, uh, at least we're we're starting to get the same sort of variety in video game movies in terms of like quality that we're getting in like mainstream movies. There's there's enough being made now that they almost can't just be oh it's a video game movie it's terrible or it's a video game movie is great. It's like there's enough variety in them now that there's uh, there's some of each. So I I love video game stories and the the things that we've seen in the past so i i kind of like there's a lot of video games i'd love to see get the the movie or tv treatment because uh, i think that there's a lot of universes to explore so why not bring well, them to the silver screen i guess
1: <laughs> well horizon would be on this yeah. list oh my
0: god horizon yes you know,
1: god of war uh would be another one i'm thinking
0: I still don't think that they've actually announced a sequel to Horizon, and I would be totally fine with a, like, Horizon TV show. Uh, that would be fine with me. Yeah. I, like I, As much as I loved the gameplay, I don't need the gameplay. What really drove me through was uh, exploring more of that universe and learning more about the apocalypse and what had happened and, and just all of it. I, I just, that was where the interest lied for me, so... Hmm. I I wouldn't want it to get the movie treatment because I feel like there's just too many complicated storylines that would get lost or too compressed in a movie, but you could definitely make a a TV show out of. So obviously, first choice is still going to be a Horizon sequel, full on video game, amazing awesomeness, but I'll take a TV show. That'll be an okay consolation prize.
1: Well, it's, it's something they talked about in the announcement. Was basically that video games are are going to take even longer to develop. You know, with the next generation, as as more technology and more work is required to develop uh, the art and level design, uh, they could they could build a new game, but also fill the gap between those years and tell some stories with movies and TV and kind of create this. You know, and they've tried this. uh, They've tried this with Quantum Break. You know, where they kind of try to mix the two. But I think what they're trying, what they might try to do here, is kind of say like, okay, God of War Two is coming out in three to four years, and you know that. But we're gonna do some some TV shows. Actually, I think that would be. I think Horizon would be a better example. Like, we're gonna tell some story about Alloy and where she goes. You know, in between those, in between the games to kind of set up too, because a lot of times video games with their stories even though there's a sequel it doesn't pick right up it usually like fast forwards a couple years and there's some gaps there Mm -hmm. to to introduce a whole new idea and a whole new story and with new characters and 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 bad guys right so this would be really interesting to see if they could pull this off and and would probably pair well with you know netflix or another streaming service i think it'd be really cool
0: Yeah, now Warcraft has already been doing that with the books, and I Mm -hmm. think that the real big problem that I have with that is that they're basically like tying their expansions together and telling stories. I mean, the the most egregious example of this is um, between Pandaria and Warlords of Draenor is they took patch content, story content that they were going to put in the game, and then ended up just making it a, a novel. And if you didn't read the novel, the video game didn't make sense. So I think that that's like the one caveat that I have is that if you're going to make content that ties two pieces together, then you better make sure that if people don't watch that TV show, don't watch that movie, or don't read that book, that you can still, that you're still telling your story in the video game, that the video game is still coming first. So I think as long as they they stay, like, keep that golden rule, then I think this will be uh, a really good thing and a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. They just have to remember to tie those threads together just in the video game like make make your outside of the video game content make that like supplementary complementary not le- required i guess is is my point but i look forward to seeing what what comes out of sony yeah. Uh, if you guys do enjoy the content that we produce you guys can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show we are looking for our june patron now so if you would like to support the show and uh, get your name on our june episodes again that is patreon.com slash the gamers in that brings us to our topic of the week this week and actually first of all we have a quick update on some news from last week ryan
1: yeah, so last week we talked about Microsoft and Sony kind of collaborating on their cloud gaming efforts, and I saw a funny story on Kotaku about the fact that the PlayStation team, which is uh, sort of a subdivision of Sony, was caught completely by surprise. Now, this isn't a quote. It's more of just another Jason Jason Schreier sort of, you know... Uh, expose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I guess the PlayStation team was maybe looking at Amazon for their, you know, cloud-based uh, gaming sort of solutions. So mm-hmm. the fact that Sony and Microsoft had come together to have this memorandum of understanding PlayStation's like uh WTF, you know. Um but it does sound like it's not going to impact the, the PlayStation 5 or any of their plans going forward. So there is a bit of positivity there, but I think it's it's kind of funny. It's it's kind of like the right hand not telling the left hand what it's doing, right? for well
0: it, you know it is funny because uh, we were shocked when we found out that Microsoft and Sony were working together because in the gaming space Microsoft and Sony are not friends they are direct competitors like they yeah. are I mean Nintendo has has made their way back into the space but for like a few years there there was no one in the conversation except for Microsoft and Sony. So to see them working together on some sort of cloud based solutions, then it like it was it was super, super interesting because it seemed to come out of left field because they've been like at each other's throats for so long. So to see that news, it was huge. And I, I just I find it hilarious that the PlayStation uh, division of Sony wasn't in on this.
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's quite telling i think that it's and i mean it's not official like it's just kind of but usually when when you when well when kotaku hears this kind of stuff it, it seems to make waves and actually be accurate so uh i haven't seen a retraction yet so i kind of stand by i think kotaku has a, a proven track record with this stuff so i i take it pretty seriously so it's it, but you're right hilarious uh, but I, hopefully it, it works out in the future
0: I think, yeah, I think it's going to be good in the in the long run, but, uh, yeah, news like this, I mean, it's not so much, like, a powerful, pr- like, problem that needs solving, right? It's a, I just, I find it funny.
1: <laughs> I mean, PlayStation maybe didn't find it maybe funny. Maybe I'm just but... a
0: jerk. Yeah, maybe I'm just a jerk. <laughs> um, but the second piece of news that we're going to talk about this week is going to be our main topic of conversation, is that there is now a U.S. bill to ban loot boxes, and so, I... I think we mentioned this last week, but we didn't really dive deep into it because it was kind of a fringy, might happen, might not happen type of a story. But it has uh, kind of grown in support and power over the last week, and it has now officially been introduced to the US Senate. This happened uh, yesterday, and it's basically seeking to ban loot boxes and pay to win mechanics in games aimed at children. With children defined as anyone 18 years of age or younger, which basically means that they are looking to ban. Uh, so not only loot boxes, so this this would be uh, things in games like Hearthstone and Overwatch where you buy a blind, uh, you buy a blind thing mm. that has a certain amount of items in it, and when you open it, the items that are in it are randomized. That's a loot box. Uh, So that would also apply to Hearthstone card packs because, you know, I buy a card pack and I know there's five cards in there, but I don't know what the cards are. So I'm taking a gamble at what I'm actually going to get out of this loot box. That is a loot box or sorry out of this card pack. That's a loot box. But the kind of, I think, uh, more interesting thing is the pay to win mechanics because they have defined pay to win mechanics as things that... um, Basically, make the game easier, make the game go faster. Anything that's um, allowing you to buy, like, extra lives or more playtime, as well as mechanics to just, like I said, make the game easier, which is essentially every single freemium mobile game ever. (laughs) Um, Which is just incredible. And the penalties that are tied to this legislation include the FPC policing companies and fining them in excess of whatever it is that they earn using any of these techniques in games with any users below the age of 18. Mm. So essentially to protect yourself from FPC fines, you basically have to remove any mechanics covered by this legislation from your game, if there's a chance that your users are under the age of 18. So basically that would either force them to mark all of their games as M for mature and also somehow keep kids out of it, Yeah. (laughs) or they would have to remove these mechanics from, from games that are uh, sold, or I guess you don't really sell a freemium game, but are available in the U S. And the reason that this is even bigger news this week is because it now has bipartisan support in the U.S. Senate. So I'm going to put a caveat on here that I'm Canadian and I also am not a lawyer and I also am not a politician. So I'm not 100 percent sure on how all of this stuff comes together to make uh, legislation a law. But from what I understand, there's the House then the Senate, then the President, and if something passes in the House, it goes, or sorry, passes in the Senate, it goes up to the President, and then the President makes a choice to either sign it into law or to veto it. So right now, the, the legislation, the bill is sitting in the US Senate, so it still needs to be debated, it still needs to be voted on and everything else, but it's closer to being law than I think you would think it would be. And it now, so it was introduced by a Republican and then co-signed by two Democrats. So this is bipartisan, you know, crossing the aisle, all that kind of stuff is uh, this is getting support on a weekend or I guess (laughs) end of the week when uh, the World Health Organization is also making their final decision on whether video game addiction counts as a disorder, disease. And if they like, I, it just, it's, it's kind of crazy how, how much this is in the forefront of, uh, basically like public health and, mm-hmm. and mental health. So, uh, Ryan, what are, what are your thoughts on
1: all of this? So a couple notes, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, when a game is being played by someone over the age of 18, like how would they check that? You know, a lot of people might think, oh, well, if they just rated M, then they'll be fine. But the ESRB is a self-regulating tool for the video game industry that was put in place to avoid exactly what this is, which is legislation of uh, from the government to control video games. So back when Mortal Kombat first came out, the violence, la-da, yada, 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 uh, they said, well, you know what, we'll slap a sticker on it, we'll encourage stores uh, not to not to sell to minors by just you know following these simple guidelines, and I think that you know they were they were, they were like, yep, that's good, fine, C- continue as you were. But um, there's no there's no control over like I I remember when I was a kid, the easiest way to get an M game was basically to say to mom, I want this game, and uh, the st- the clerk is gonna say, is this game for you? Is it for your son? Is he over? Is he under eighteen? And well, sure enough, it doesn't matter because the the parents buying the game now. Like we didn't play anything super duper crazy. Um, we were we were Nintendo uh, gamers, so it wasn't that big a deal. But with this, it essentially would upend everything. We're not even talking about some games. Yes, you could just turn off loot boxes. Um, you know, like the new Mortal Kombat 11 game. Like you could turn off just the uh e- e-commerce stuff and basically bring in a couple systems to make it a little easier to earn you know income and do it in game we actually saw this with uh shadow of war that uh, lord of the rings game a couple years yeah. back where it launched with a bunch of loot boxes and they took a year to rip that system out and re-implement an in-game equivalent that felt fair so that shows you exactly how much work the industry would have to do to abide by if this if this came into law like but then there's the flip side of it where like this would literally cripple the industry for a good year or two and kill an entire platform and how that platform works with video games mobile games are a majority of them are freemium or some some combination of that some of the most popular yeah. games are So do we really think the U.S. government, capitalism on high, is going to sign this into law and cripple an industry? Like, that seems like the opposite of what a good business person would do. So maybe they will sign it. I don't know. (laughs) Try not to get political here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, we're we're not getting political. But that's where it becomes very, very interesting because... Like you mentioned, just uh, and again, this is a very, 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 very scratch the surface level understanding of U.S. politics. But <laughs> it seems very interesting to me that the bill is being proposed and introduced by a Republican because you're right. I, I from a distance, understand that the Republican Party generally is very um supportive of capitalism and big business and things kind of sorting themselves out. So you're right, it is very, very interesting. And I know we've talked in the past just about um, like monetization in video games and how like a lot of these loot boxes and uh, pay for customizations and and, uh, battle passes, like all of this stuff comes from both games moving into this games as a service type of a space. As well as just video games, even single player video games becoming so expensive to make and not actually really increasing too meaningfully in price from the prices that they were back in the day. So what we may see out of this is if something like this passes, then all of those games that used to be, you know, free or cheap-ish, you know, like we are talking about like 20 to $30 for the game that then have cosmetics over top or or what have you to keep servers running to, you know, do all that kind of stuff, either turn to a subscription model like Warcraft or mm-hmm. have a very, very, very high price to them, which is something that, you know, might force us back into a world where we're buying three to four games a year instead of, you know, a couple of games a month. Like, we, you might be looking at games with price tags of 150 bucks.
1: Yeah. well, And just
0: uh, that's the direction that we might have to go because they're not going to be able to make money from loot boxes anymore. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, MSRP is going to go up in the United States for video games if this passes. And we've already seen examples of video games changing or straight up being shut down in specific countries that pass these kind of laws. You look at Belgium, a game close to my heart, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, what is being shut down end of august in belgium because of the laws they put forward a couple i feel like they've been putting forward they put forward a couple years ago but are actually starting to go into power starting to enforce yeah, yeah that's the
0: thing like this won't be enforced overnight right like no. assuming that it passes in the senate and assuming that the president signs off on it and it becomes a law then there's going to there's still like implementation time and you know like you can't just enforce things overnight so or there's there's still or can you yeah maybe or can you <laughs> yeah who knows uh but i think that it's interesting that you do bring up fire emblem Her- heroes and how it's being shut down in belgium because it like this this bill the way that it's been put forward has very very steep penalties to the point that it literally is not worth having pay to win or loot box mechanics built into your game because you're going to be fined Based on the money that you make, and you're going to be fined more than that. So, if you make a billion dollars with loot boxes, you will be fined a billion and one dollars. Like, there's yeah. no point in having these mechanics in your game. So, you mentioned that they'll, that they are pulling out of Belgium, which is fine because I don't know the population of Belgium off the top of my head, but it definitely is not 300 plus million like there is in the States. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're talking about a relatively small market compared to a, a relatively large market. And if these type of laws start to be more prevalent, then you're going to basically for, I feel like if this gets passed in the US, then that's like gonna start a domino effect across the industry, right? Mm. Like you can't ignore 300 plus million people who are your potential market and, and not make a change. So as much as you could pull out of Belgium, I don't think you can pull out of the US
1: no not 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 and and not continue to run a successful business yeah. like fire emblem heroes as an example being you know not not a game that is lighting the world on fire like a, this isn't the hearthstone we're talking about this is this is a, a nintendo mobile game and if they were to pass this in the united states they would pretty much probably just you know say okay the games the ga- we're only going to just support it in japan you know and and we'll, we'll cease to run well, updates but then, in the, so. In the if, North American. if the
0: US, and, and this is kind of what I'm getting at, mm-hmm. is that if the US passes legislation like this, I can see legislation spreading quite quickly. Yeah. And, you know, having like if they if companies don't pivot, when the US makes this legislative change, If they don't pivot across all markets, they're going to find themselves in a very, very bad position when other markets go the same way as the states when it comes to legislation around loot boxes and pay to win mechanics. So it's going to be, like I said, a domino effect where, you know, pulling out isn't going to be good enough because you can't pull out of every market around the world without just being a not a company anymore (laughs) like you're they're going to run out of markets where this is going to be an acceptable practice Mm -hmm. so they have to adapt and figure out a way to still be profitable and still put out games or they're just they're like basically game industry or game creators who are using loot boxes and pay to win mechanics should this be passed i think are just going to they're they're going to go bankrupt. They won't exist anymore. Dinosaurs, dead, extinct, gone, poop.
1: <laughs> well, okay, let, let's... I think you're right. You, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if 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 this bill were to go forward, a lot of companies would basically look at exist their existing games and you, triage in a way to maximize... Well, yeah. actually, I'd like to figure out a way to keep profit coming in for that game to at least get through their current slate of updates that they've been, you know, working on. But... You know, let's well, but we, Yeah,
0: we might we might see a whole bunch of our you know favorite games just mm-hmm. cease to exist because they are not profitable in any way without the use of loot boxes and pay to win mechanics. And if that's the case, then it's not like they can suddenly come to you and say like, okay, Ryan, I know that you um, you didn't pay anything for Fire Emblem Heroes, but I know you're playing it. So if you want to keep playing it now, you have or keep playing it now, you have to pay us forty dollars.
1: Or you buy like, the heroes, right?
0: Or, yeah, and I guess, the, so that's kind oh, of that the... Oh, that wouldn't uh, work
1: either, would it? Uh,
0: yeah. it? So it depends, and that's, that's an interesting point as well. So let's say that you take whatever the content is in the loot boxes and you put it in a store proper so that I know when I'm spending my money, mm-hmm. I am going to get Dr. Boom. Yes. Like that I'm spending $5 and I am getting that legendary card in Hearthstone instead of spending $5 at a chance of getting that card in Hearthstone. Um, so if that's the way that you go, then it's it's interesting because that would get rid of loot boxes, but...
1: Still microtransaction. Does that microtransaction.
0: Get... Well, but this doesn't ban microtransactions, this doesn't ban stores, this doesn't ban any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. This bans loot boxes and pay-to-win mechanics. But pay-to-win mechanics is where things get really interesting, because how deep are they going to go here? If they say that me buying Dr. Boom makes it so I win more Hearthstone games, is that a mechanic that gets banned? Is that a mechanic that is no longer allowed under this bill? I don't know. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have because I think that's kind of where you were going with if you can buy heroes, right? Because yeah. some heroes are better than others, right? Some cards are better than others. So yeah. how far do pay-to-win mechanics go?
1: Well, you got to remove the conversation, right? So there shouldn't even be a conversation about it in the sense like, yeah, if you're buying individual heroes and some heroes are more expensive than others, you've, you've, seen, you've seen this in some of the free-to-play sort of, uh, I think there was... It, um, maybe heroes mm, that's a bad example. I was trying to think of like the uh, Marvel sort of Diablo type game where you could buy heroes, but that that's not that's not it's not pay to win because you're not competing. you're just playing. So scratch that. but if you look at hearthstone as an example, if you're buying individual cards, that could the conversation could turn to be like, well, that's pay to win. However, if an expansion came out and it was just like, pay us a hundred bucks and you have all the cards and you can play this new expansion, kind of steep, but that that might be the way around it. If they introduce this and Hearthstone wants to keep kicking, it it becomes super expensive, but you'd have to buy the expansion and all the cards for it to for it to continue to work, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not pay to win. You're basically paying for dlc at that point yeah yeah so
0: i mean i don't maybe that is maybe that's the way things go i don't know but uh it's definitely something that if you are playing any kind of video game at this point there's really nothing that's immune from these kind of mechanics in this day and age so if you are interested in gaming at all it is definitely a story that you should be following quite closely so uh yeah Keep an eye on it guys and and we'll see how this plays out i think that's going to be it for us tonight that's pretty much going to do it if you'd like to join the conversation and let us know what you think about this us bill please do join in on our discord that's bit.ly tgi discord you can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JocPlays. Ryan is Dar Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at TheGamersIn. The video versions of our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch.tv slash TheGamersIn and are also available after the fact on Twitch. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.